2: Welcome to another edition of the Dynasty Command Center podcast, home of the biggest edge in Dynasty fantasy football. My name is Travis May, and I'm joined by Curtis Patrick. We are the uh, Devi and Dynasty coordinators at Rotoviz. and last week, if you joined us, we covered everyone's favorite second-year running backs, and this week, it's time to talk some wide receivers. But first, uh, you know, I always talk about how I am the Devi coordinator and uh, maybe you don't know what that means. Maybe you don't even play in Devi leagues, but I, I just wanted to kind of start off by sharing uh, one interesting player to me. This week might make it a thing here moving forward. I'm not really sure, but just wanted to, to share uh, just because a lot of people here in the Nashville area are excited about, uh, well, as, as much as you can be excited about Vanderbilt football. Uh, but Kalijah Lips- Lipscomb is probably the best wide receiver that they've had Uh, in a while uh, since uh, Jordan Matthews, Uh, but he's actually posted some pretty good numbers. Uh, He's not in many people's top 50 or so. In fact, he's right outside my top 50 Debbie Debbie rankings, but uh, he's actually already posted a season with a 33% dominated rating, and uh, he actually has respectable numbers in yards per team pass attempt and touchdowns per team pass attempt as well. And so, so just chuck away that name if you play Debbie leagues. If you like college football, just wanted to drop that in there for you. But Curtis, how you doing, man? Man, that's a nice name drop there. I used
1: uh, Lipscomb a couple times in college football DFS last year. So um, nice. You know, Jay Cutler um, is offended about this anti Vanderbilt slander that you're throwing out there but <laughs> yeah. smoking jay man uh that's that's good memories i already i already miss all the cigarette um all the cigarette memes but
2: uh anyway yeah do, doing great man doing great he's actually from really close to where i'm from like he's he's from uh well actually uh, just outside i guess uh, santa claus indiana like right around there so it's about uh 45 minutes away from my, from my hometown so Jay Cutler is from Santa Claus, Indiana. Yeah, he's really close to there anyway. Yeah, I think he, I think he went to Heritage that's Hills, so, which is so like perfect. I know. <laughs> but yeah, yeah, pretty close. To there.
1: So he's Jay Cutler is going to star in Bad Santa three at Dude, some point in his that life. That would that's, be. That's where we're oh headed.
2: Man. That would be so good, and it was based in Holiday World, which is in in Santa Claus, Indiana, by the way. So and yeah, that would oh be my
1: gosh. No, we are B, off B. the rails in the first three minutes of this episode. <laughs> I can't wait to see where it goes. Um, <laughs> hey, man, yeah. before before we start cutting the second-year wide receivers, just want to rem- uh, remind our listeners uh, about the FFPC. It's uh, the premier place to play Dynasty Fantasy Football, uh, the, the world's largest Dynasty League commissioner. Leagues up to $5,000 for your annual buy-in if you are one of the uh, big-time, high-stakes sharks. Um, if that's a little bit out of your uh, – Range. They've got leagues starting at $77 and everywhere in between. They also have plenty of other great redraft formats, including best ball. Those drafts are filling daily. Go to myffpc.com. That's myffpc.com. It's the home of season long high stakes fantasy football. Just a reminder all new subscribers to the Dynasty Command Center Slack also get a $35 league credit. You can apply
2: that to any Dynasty League fee, $77 or higher. Dude, I, I did just have to look it up right there, just to make sure I wasn't off. Because I knew it, it, it. I actually looked him up, and it, he is from Santa Claus, Indiana. I thought I thought it was like Ooh. right outside. So yeah, Jay Cutler, Santa Claus, Indiana. Bad Santa three coming to theaters near you, twenty twenty nine, probably something like that. But <laughs> enough <laughs> of that. <laughs> let's uh, let's get to a couple of guys who had a fantastic rookie gear and uh, what we think of them moving forward. I, I know a lot of people have uh very strong opinions uh when it comes to DJ Moore or Calvin Ridley. I mean even with our Dynasty Command Center team, I know there's very, very differing opinions when it comes to even players like uh Calvin Ridley, uh probably more than anything just because of uh his age. And I'm sure we'll get to that. But yeah. DJ Moore, I he he's he's been creeping up in terms of his average draft position. And I was really surprised when uh I was looking at his rank on the RotoViz. Uh, team and and he's all the way up to uh, correct me if i'm wrong but he's wide receiver 11 on the road of his ranking team right now
1: yeah yeah he's he's crept into wide receiver one territory he uh is now in front of guys like antonio brown uh and just behind julio jones so um he's he has climbed some this week Uh, i believe when i looked uh i just i just put an article out on dj Moore. we'll talk about that in a minute
2: So it's your fault. Um, But I believe
1: in the last – well, I'm I'm not saying that. (laughs) People can come to their own – people can arrive at their own conclusions. But um, I I don't remember seeing him as a wide receiver one um, until this week. So he's definitely on the rise. We don't have anyone on our team that's ranking him below 28 in a startup in the overall ranking. So um, everyone thinks he's at least an early third rounder. Wow. And I've got – I'm counting one, two – I mean, five out of our six rankers are calling him a round two startup pick right now. So, you know, just let's just frame a little bit. Um, You've got uh, you've got DJ's uh, first year stats here.
2: Yeah, DJ. uh, I mean, DJ Moore. I mean, he's it's really easy. We we want players to go crazy in the rookie years, but it just doesn't always happen. So, I mean, he, he had the stat line, 55 receptions for 788 yards and just two touchdowns, and I think if he had anything more than just the two touchdowns, I think a lot more people would be perhaps even higher than they are now on on DJ Moore just because of uh, his athletic profile, his production profile, his age, and what he's been able to do after one season, uh, but, you know, Calvin Ridley had 10 touchdowns, and people still have him ranked below, and obviously, I think that might have to do with the his uh age as well, and in dynasty, we like our players young, uh, but uh, the, the 2014 class, I mean, I was just digging through in preparation for this episode uh some recent data on some rookies and and wide receivers and when they broke out and things like that. And I mean, I'm never going to get over uh, just the ridiculousness that was the 2014 class, but since then, it's been pretty gross uh besides you know like guys like Michael Thomas. Tyreek Hill, uh, really those, those two. And then maybe Cooper Cup, if you want to get excited about what he did his, his first year. Uh, but you know, not, not many guys are even breaking 150 fantasy points. Uh, but when you look at it, I mean, Calvin really had over 200 in, in full PPR and DJ Moore had 160. And so even in the 2014 class, he would have been, he would have still been notable. He wouldn't have been the old Odell Beckham Jr. who had nearly 300 fantasy points as a rookie, but 160. We just, I think we expect too much sometimes from rookies, and I think that was incredible. I think our the road of his team, they're reacting appropriately and and getting excited about what he could be, and they're probably projecting for a pretty massive year two. But him being a wide receiver one, I'm not sure if I'm there yet. And I was, I, I have more of him and carry on Johnson than any rookies from last year. So Curtis, I don't know how fast you're expecting this rise, but I know you had a piece here recently just talking about how inevitable you believe DJ Moore's rise truly is. Yeah. And, and
1: it, and it has a lot to do with him playing his entire rookie season at age 21. He did not turn 22 before December 31st. And so it puts them in a, a really small group of players since the year 2000 um, that have even done that. Um, it that's very young. I mean, we don't see this often. Um, you're talking about guys who have declared early, so you know a, a lot of these. To be fair, a lot of these names are good anyway. Uh, if you're if you're going to declare and be able to make an NFL roster and spend the whole season there at age 21, um, there's I think there was only 43 players in the cohort. But when I started sorting through it um started to see some thresholds um that that looked like they might lead to something and so playing with the rotoviz screener um I, I actually came up with a litmus test for 21 year old NFL rookies and it's it's honestly it's, it's pretty remarkable man so and and these numbers are going to sound stupid low and you're going i mean at first it's just going to be like what <laughs> but if you're a 21 year old receiver and you average 3 receptions a game and you play at least 10 games, that's it. Three receptions a game, and you played at least 10 games. Here's the list of guys who did that, besides DJ Moore, since the year 2000. Larry Fitzgerald, Percy Harvin, Jeremy Macklin, Hakeem Nix, Josh Gordon, Keenan Allen, DeAndre Hopkins, Brandon Cooks, Mike Evans, Allen Robinson, Sammy Watkins, Amari Cooper, and Juju Smith-Schuster. That's it. Those are the thirteen before DJ Moore. <laughs> That's an okay That's list
2: to be on. Okay, uh, so uh, you doing okay.
1: Let's just ignore what. Yeah, let's just ignore um, where those guys even finished in their in their rookie year. Some of them had big rookie years. Um, you know, some of them were some of them weren't even in the top thirty six. You know, if, if you're on the low end of the three receptions per game and played at least ten games, but here's what that group has done: thirteen out of thirteen have gone on to have at least one top. 20 PPR season, 100%. Every single one of them. 11 out of those 13 have recorded at least one top 12 PPR season. 11 out of the 13, 85% of that cohort has posted a wide receiver one fantasy season. Five out of the 13 have posted a, a top five PPR season. And five of the 13 posted a wide receiver one season the next year. Their second year in the NFL, age twenty-two season, five out of the thirteen. So, I mean, DJ Moore, um, for one, I, you know, based on the guys who have done this before him, you know, thirty-eight and a half percent of those guys were wide receiver ones the second year. So, I think we immediately have to start thinking about what's the path for DJ Moore to do that this year. But even if he doesn't, he would be the first guy that met that threshold to not post a top 20 season if he doesn't go on and do that at some point in his career. So if DJ Moore posts a top 20 uh, top twenty PPR season this year, what's going to happen to his dynasty ADP? I think that the road of his team is already kind of priced in. What would happen if you see a 22? I mean, what happened to Juju? Juju yeah. was wide receiver 20 in his yep. first year, and he just exploded. And then wide receiver 8. And, and were we thinking that he had that type of upside with Antonio Brown there? And Martavis Bryant there, remember back in 2017 when he was still a thing? Oh, man. I mean, yeah, you couldn't, but... it was kind of hard to see the path to that. And Le'Veon Bell still in the offense. A lot of things can change in a short amount of time in the NFL. Yeah. So I'm not going to question – I mean, I'm not going to question his place in that group. His his name shows up with these other names. I mean, that's good enough for me. When we're talking about, like, Hakeem Nix as one of the least desirable names on that list, and he had two top 12 PPR seasons yeah. in his career in his before he was by 30. injury.
2: Seriously, in his second and third seasons, yeah. I mean, it, he went from thirty-three. I mean, DJ Moore was thirty-five. He went from thirty-three to eight to twelve, like right there, quickly. <laughs> so I, you know, you it, it really just can't can't doubt that there's there's some <laughs> something good is probably in DJ Moore's future. And they just moved on yeah. with uh, Devin Funches. and obviously, maybe Cam's shoulder is a little questionable. That that could change things, but you know and there's Curtis Samuel there but it's not like they have a, a stud taking a bunch of the targets away I mean, well really their wide receiver one is Christian McCaffrey so uh but I mean beyond, beyond the running back I mean he's he's the guy so it it would be fun to see if he's actually if he has that astronomical rise into the uh you know wide receiver one category i know a lot of people want to doubt because of cam newton are you concerned with that Uh, not just with the shoulder but with his his tendency to not uh, have wide receiver ones in fantasy well who has he had since steve smith left (laughs) that's what i always that's the right question who who was (laughs)
1: supposed yeah i mean who was supposed to be that wide receiver one i mean there's a reason greg wilson has basically smashed ever since steve smith left carolina it's, I mean, he was clearly the the, the best talent in the yeah. pass catching core, and the team treated him as such. Um, I, I wanted to take a second just to talk about the 2019 prospects for more, um, just in, in a little bit deeper detail. The 13 other wide receivers in that cohort, they averaged an extra 23 receptions in their second year. Yeah, if that happens, okay, for an extra DJ 23 Moore, receptions. So uh, hey, he had he had 55 last year. Yeah. So in, in my piece, I just you know very simply credited him his average yards per reception and extended his touchdown rate to include those additional 23 receptions and his line would be 78 uh for just over 78 78 receptions for just over 1100 yards and of course only three touchdowns you know he's going to have some regression in that touchdown rate i would think this year but even if he doesn't that line 78 uh, eleven hundred seventeen and three touchdowns. That's two hundred seven point seven PPR points. Guess where that would have put him last year? Where wide receiver twenty? You are going to tell me wide receiver twenty? And what did we say? <laughs> that group hundred percent of the time has hit that. So, um, just just really interesting. Um, you know, time will tell if he can keep that cohort perfect. Um, but yeah, I mean, I'm I'm high on DJ Moore. The rest of the team is high on DJ Moore, and I I think that good players, um, you know, talent wins out. And he was so young and so good. And he had the, he had the, it's not out of nowhere. I mean, the profile was Sterling when he came out.
2: Oh, yeah. He had everything this that is, we
1: wanted. We had, we had the breakout age. We had the dominator. We had everything with DJ Moore.
2: I mean, there was there nothing. I tried to find something. Yeah. I tried to find anything. Like when I was digging through, even months before, I was like, man, if he has an okay combine, people are going to go nuts. And then he showed up and had basically the best, if not like the second or third best combine in the entire class and just crushed it. So there was just, it left no questions in his entire profile. So I'm not surprised. It's just, it's just, it's hard to go all in on these players and say confidently, you know what? I'm just going to rank him as a wide receiver one, but it looks like our, our team's already there. So it's good to see. And hopefully this is, this is the case, but it, Hopefully it comes to fruition, but uh, it looks like the road of his team's uh, ahead of the the, the curve there because his average draft position is uh, still in the late thirties, like thirty eight point one, I think, here recently. So uh, maybe the rest of the the world will uh, see why the road of his team had <laughs> him ranked so highly. But uh, conversely, uh, Calvin Ridley, I mean he he didn't have the perfect profile. I mean he had some questions. Uh, athletically he had some questions just because he was so old uh his breakout age uh, there's the, the laundry list of, of things that uh you know he didn't fit into a, a perfect regression you know analysis uh, of you know he didn't he didn't fall into the right place with the right variables to to say that he's going to hit but he had the draft capital and that was enough to to give him an opportunity last year and he got 10 touchdowns but why is he so much lower for you, Curtis.
1: Well, I actually don't. I mean, lower than DJ Moore. I mean, I've got yes. i got Ridley at at wide receiver twenty two. Okay, um, so he's not, he's which not is
2: considerably down the list, uh, but, but still, you know, he's not a wide receiver one, and he actually had a better stat line and fantasy output as a rookie. Sure,
1: um, he's he's also going to have to contend with Julio Jones for. You know, a couple more years Uh, overall, I think he's in in a more desirable offense. So, you know, I don't think being the wide receiver two in Atlanta or even, you know, if if Ridley ascends a little bit more, the wide receiver one B, that's not a bad place to be. Matt Ryan's um, propped up um, some really big stat lines with that scenario in the past with Julio and Roddy White and even and even Mohamed Sanu. Uh, has been a, a you know a valuable and, and probably underrated uh fantasy flex player for several seasons in that offense so um i mean obviously i think touchdown regression is coming um for for Ridley this year um but the main reason he's down there's just cuz of the age um you know if you look at you know the 24 year old rookies you know it's basically in NFL history it's basically him and Cooper Cup and then garbage um Calvin Ridley's actually He's, he's the most productive uh, fantasy wide receiver in, uh, in the NFL since the year 2000 uh, as a 24-year-old rookie, number one, only only guy to put up over 200 PPR. So, um, I, you know, I think he's, he's king of the mountain. It's not maybe a desirable mountain to be on, um, but he did everything um, that we <laughs> could have asked him to do as, as a rookie. And as long as Julio's there yeah. and playing at a high level – He's going to continue to draw, you know, favorable matchups from opposing defenses and kind of be able to do what he wants. And um, you know, I I might be a little low on him. I mean, I've got him at, you know, the tier that I have him in is uh, you know, is with Nikhil Harry, Tyler Lockett, Tyler Boyd, Calvin Ridley. You know, that's that's the tier that he's in. And I think those are all guys that can they could kind of take the, that next leap, um, or or kind of just stall out there. This is a range I think that's very difficult to get right year after year after year um it's the guys that we just want to push up but we just don't have quite enough maybe it's their role maybe it's something in their profile that we didn't like but that's that's where he's at for me so um i could easily see myself even just moving him up to the top of that tier if he has a strong september and gets off to a good start which would put him all the way up to what wide receiver 18 for me so now you're yeah. talking mid wide receiver too pretty respectable so where do you yeah. have ridley
2: yeah i have him in mid i think it's in mid 20s around his yeah, mid twenties for me. Uh, he's, he's, he's about that same range and maybe just a little bit further down the line. And I think that the name of the game in fantasy is obviously. It, it's opportunity. And so I think my, my biggest concern is just the lack of a ceiling in competition for targets with the other guys who you have Julio and you have the respectable Sanu. And it, let's say you have a, a healthy Devontae Freeman and he's back in the mix uh, and he actually gets back to uh, pass catching form again. So I, I'm not sure if, if the touchdowns don't come back to, you know, double digits again. I, I'm I'm concerned that, you know, he just kind of caps out where he is. And so I think a lot of people might – even though he might have another 800-yard season, if he has 800 yards and five touchdowns or so, then he's just – he falls into the the Corey Davis category of production and people are all of a sudden concerned. So that's where I am. He's just just less safe for me. (laughs) Obviously, I was still impressed by his game. I love to watch him run routes. I think he's a really talented football player, but just objectively speaking, you can't get as excited – about him but any do you have anything more to say on on, on ridley or do you want to move on to the other uh, three guys that we want to get excited about well the
1: last thing i would say in terms of opportunity i mean muhammad sanu you know he is a nice player they have the chemistry uh he and ryan but he had 94 targets last year and um i i think we're going to find out in the first month how good the team really thought Ridley was i mean he actually out targeted ridley by two targets last year. And they had almost identical stat lines other than the touchdowns. I mean, I think there's room. If, if the team really believes that Ridley was a difference maker and those those stats weren't just a product of being in a high-flying offense, if they really believe that, he's going to see more targets steered his way. I mean, we could see a situation where uh, Matt Ryan's propping up, you know, multiple wide receiver ones. I mean, I think that's range of possible outcomes if, if the team treats Ridley that way. I mean, I think he – he certainly could be a guy that, that could find his way to 125, 130 targets um, to offset some of the touchdown regression if the team opts to use Sanu a little differently and pushes him down into the, you know, maybe Sanu only gets like four targets a game this year and the rest goes to Ridley. So we have to look at both sides of the coin there. Um, you know, I, I feel pretty comfortable with where I've got him given, given, you know, that if his role doesn't expand, he's probably likely to score a fewer touchdowns, but if his role, Um, did expand you know he's in a spot where i can move him up easily without much you know without really giving it much more thought um so that's where i'll leave it with ridley
2: yeah i I think that's that's good points across the board i think that there's a lot lots of potential for things to just shift slightly in his favor target wise i completely agree but i you know it's just it's hard to predict right now but analytically speaking that he doesn't fall in a very fair Uh, tree of you know expectations i guess he's not in a a good branch with a whole bunch of other people around him that we've seen succeed at a high level before but we've outlined that probably enough but uh how about you tell our listeners how they can get some free money
1: free money 25 bucks free on us with code viz 25 in the yahoo daily fantasy sports lobby uh you got to check out yahoo daily fantasy sports if if you haven't been playing um, I've been hammering PGA every week. It's been really fun. Um, Yahoo has GPP contests that have max entry limits of 10 per player. Uh, they've got quick match for head-to-heads where you can get uh, paired up with random other users based on their experience and their win-loss record. Uh, you can play a traditional head-to-head, but if you want to avoid you know, going up against people that are just total degens uh, and, and smash it every week, you can use that quick match feature. Highly recommend that. The lobby is also full of Major League Baseball uh, right now. You know, Of course, we don't have any NBA, NHL, or NFL, but there are big things coming there. You can try your hand at PGA at Yahoo DFS with 25 bucks free on us. Use code VIZ25. Go to yahoo.com slash daily fantasy today and start your journey.
2: Yep. So I, I kind of hinted at this earlier. There were three other guys that we're super interested in beyond just dj moore and calvin ridley uh there's Cortland sutton christian kirk dante pettis and i don't want to give it away what order we're we're really ranking those guys in just yet but right now i was looking at where they're going where you can get them in startups and uh you know Cortland sutton and christian kirk over the past 30 days on ffp startups They're going almost identically around pick 82, ADP around 81 point something, 80, 82. So dead even here recently. And then just behind them is Dante Pettis at uh, 90.5. So, I mean, those guys might bunch up even, even more so just because... You know, we're human. We, we kind of uh, bunch things together. We, we like to see patterns and we're like, oh, they're second year rookies. And those three are right next to each other right now. And that might even be more so value wise as uh, August nears, as the season nears. But it's interesting to me uh, that they are so close uh, just from an opportunity standpoint uh, and, and who they have to compete with. I mean, Christian Kirk got a bunch of company. He still has Larry Fitzgerald, or the ghost of him anyway, and Andy Isabella uh, added in the second round, and, and uh, Twitter's darling favorite, uh, Hakeem Butler, uh, who was added first pick of the fourth round. Uh, of course, it's going to be a high-flying offense, but they've added some pieces around him, and still his average draft position hasn't really changed hardly at all uh, since the draft. And then Dante Pettis, I mean, he got Debo Samuel. Added on, and and even though people don't want to give him credit uh, at all, Jalen Hurd, and they still have George Kittle there, uh, and then even like um, the the bevy of <laughs> running backs that they have that can catch passes as well, and then you got Cortland Sutton uh, on the other side, who doesn't have much of any competition really, and mean he's he's got even if Sanders does come back at some point and is alive uh, after his horrible injury. I mean, he's, he doesn't really have much to compete with. I mean, he has, what, Deshaun Hamilton, St. Patrick. Uh, there wasn't as many dramatic moves uh, that it made, made it look like, you know, he wasn't the guy. Uh, are you higher on Sutton than the other two? Or where do you have those three ranked right now, Curtis? Okay, so the order for me
1: um, would go Christian Kirk, Cortland Sutton. Dante Pettis. And um, it's not that I feel strongly necessarily about the three players individually. With Christian Kirk, you know, a rising tide lifts all boats. And I think that the air raid that Cliff Kingsbury is putting in, I think with Kyler Murray coming on board and already understanding the system, um, I I just think that that team is going to pass the ball so much, um, just so, so much. And Kirk, (laughs) <laughs> um, who looks to be in line for potentially maybe the most desirable role in the offense uh, as a, a move receiver who is going to be going across the middle on mesh concepts him and Andy Isabella causing havoc in the middle of the field and um Kirk is is, is amazing um, with yards after catch and I, I just think the way that offense is going to be designed is really going to be perfectly suited to his skills and he's gonna have plenty of opportunity because I think they're gonna, you know, they're gonna be one of these teams that passes the ball six hundred times. Um so I, I just think that volume can um cover up any warts in the profile there. Cortland Sutton, you know, the Broncos passed the eighth most most times in the in the NFL last year. I don't think they're gonna do that with Joe Flacco. Um it's a it's gonna be a different design. I think they're gonna involve Royce Freeman a little bit more along with uh Philip Lindsay. And, and try to control the game and 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 cater back to that defense being, um, you know, strategic to their success. But you know, Sutton has a, or at least last year, had a unique role in the offense. I mean, easily was the best downfield weapon. And you know, Joe Flacco is a different downfield passer than than Case Keenum. Um, we've seen him be very successful at times in his career. Not not as much of late. You know, but Joe Flacco hasn't had a guy with the the skill sets or the physical makeup of Cortland Sutton um, maybe ever in his career. You know, he's had some pretty decent receivers at times. He's had Michael Crabtree. He's had late career Steve Smith. Um, he has not had a guy like Cortland Sutton and um, seems to be very pleased with that weapon. Um, just from the OTA talks and interviews, he brought up Sutton's name plenty of times. You know, we see Manny Sanders running around and it's great that he's recovering from that injury, but at his age uh age 31 and plus some months coming back from um a devastating what uh an injury like that you know I just don't know if he's gonna have the same elusiveness so I think Sutton's gonna lead the team in targets he had 84 last year you know I think he's he's a pretty solid bet to have 100 plus targets and if he just does what he did last year on that you know he's gonna be a threat for 900 or a thousand yards and um, I do think that his touchdown total of four is, is basically a lock to rise. I'd be very shocked if he scored less than like seven touchdowns. So you know, I'm 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 high. I'm finding myself higher on Sutton than I thought I would be. And I kind of struggle with that because I didn't love him as a prospect. Really didn't. Um,
2: yeah, I mean, so, there yeah. were some so things I, that I'm were coming to terms
1: with it. You know. Yeah. Yeah. I, I, I'm just coming to terms with it. But at the end of the day, he was a very high draft pick, and and he's in a spot to be the alpha that they drafted him to be. And so there could be a little confirmation bias there too. I mean, they just went out and got Flacco and let's go Mm -hmm. show off our shiny new weapon with Dante Pettis. I'm a little bit more worried about Debo Samuel, just like you are. Um, And I also just think that George Kittle is their weapon. I mean, he is going to be their weapon. He's
2: the wide receiver one. (laughs) He's he's the guy. So it's,
1: it's not that I, you know, it's not that I don't think that Pettis could be, fantasy relevant or I mean I just to me he just kind of reeks more of like a fantasy flex and and I'm struggling to see him um with with Debo and Kittle and how they're going to use those backs in the passing game that three backs they're trying to work in um they still have Marquise Goodwin um it's it's tough it's tough for me to feel solid about it I have the most questions about what his role is going to be and that's why I've got him lower
2: yeah, and I think that's that's completely fair. I mean, he had that that window of I believe it was six games where he had exactly in between five and seven targets six weeks in a row, and that that would be great if you extrapolate that over throughout an entire season. That ends up being, you know, maybe over a hundred, you know, maybe around a hundred. You know, say you're averaging six targets a game, just over that, it's over a hundred targets. That's okay, uh, but that's not you know elite. Uh, target volume and, and then they went out and added a couple weapons and really kiddles the guy anyway uh, i i'm not super high on debo samuel as is but I, i'm not super high on that offense you know growing extensively uh, in terms of uh, target share opportunity uh, for any one individual except with the exception of maybe just even a you know with jimmy g healthy and maybe, maybe they're just a little bit better on offense as a whole Maybe a little boost to Kittle just in general because he's always going to be on the field. The wide receivers, I think that's just going to be a mishmash. A, a mismatch. I'm, I'm not really sure who to, to go all in on there. And I think you're right, though, I, with with Kirk. I mean, <laughs> I, the the Steelers threw the ball 689 times last year. So it wouldn't be insane to think, given who's at the helm of the offense, that the Cardinals could seriously be near 700 pass attempts this year. So if that's the case, I mean, you, you could have three wide receivers on that team that actually find some fantasy relevance uh, pretty consistently, which would be incredible. But that's also kind of hoping that David Johnson doesn't take all the catches as well. So I don't know how that gets all distributed. And so because I'm just a little bit, for me, just because I'm a little bit apprehensive there, I think that makes Christian Kirk a fantastic value to target because people are worried about the the target split there. But I think I have Sutton just a little bit higher, just because I, I do believe that that offense isn't going to completely change. I I, I believe that they could take a step back. In fact, I, I bet you would have won a bunch of bar bets if you said that the, the Broncos actually threw the ball the eighth the most times last year. I think that no one would have even believed you. Uh, so I think they do maybe go back around the league average, just around you know five ten, whatever it was last year, in terms of pass attempts. No, nothing crazy, uh, maybe five twenty or something like that, but. Um, I think that there's still enough of the pie to go around. That Sutton sees a value increase this year because he gets that seven touchdown mark, because he sees an inc- increase in yards, and so for me, the, he's like the safest of the three, just because of the opportunity. And really, last year, I mean, we were just talking about DJ Moore for hitting 160 fantasy points. I mean, Cortland Sutton had a 136, I think, 137, somewhere like just shy of 140 on the year, and. He wasn't even really used right away. So uh, I don't know. I, I like his chances given, given what we know uh, between the, the, the three right now. But beyond those three, is there anybody else that you're you're finding yourself kind of gravitating towards? I know your article, I think uh, you had one that, that uh, obviously you liked. I don't know if you want to share about him or not. But anybody besides the five we mentioned tonight that you're looking to go out and buy?
1: I'm going to say one more thing about Dante Pettis that gives me a little pause. Um, He didn't play with Jimmy Garoppolo at all last year, really. I mean, I mean, he, he did, he got on the field in the first couple of weeks, but that streak of games you mentioned, that was all post Garoppolo injury. So we've never really seen, you know, what's that chemistry look like? They haven't done anything meaningful in the regular season together yet. So totally. um, Yeah. So I I think we've got to let that settle, but you know, of, of some of these other year two names, Um, When I was doing my, you know, my research on this three and 10, uh, three and 10 rule, if I, if I move the screener down to six games with three receptions for that same age 21 wide receiver group, since the year 2000, only one more name jumps into that list and it's Kiki Kute, And, uh, you know, that's that that's tough for me because, you know, Will Fuller has popped so much when he's been um when he's been healthy, but that's been few, you know, basically uh few instances and in, in far between. I mean if you look at if you look at what Will Fuller Will Fuller's done in his career versus what your perception of is him when you're able to put in your put him in your lineup, it's like it, you know, it's total dichotomy because he's so impactful when he's on the field, but he's just never available. I mean, I think his best finish is uh, I think I've got it right here. Hold on. Something like wide receiver sixty or something, if you look at season long. Um yeah. It will Fuller, sixty two, sixty, and ninety in his three years. I mean, and that's that's total season raw scoring. It's not points per game, but you know, that's that's illustrative of him being available. So um Kiki, you know, um there's a, there's a lot of guys that I really respect that are high on him. I know Scott Barrett's uh, high on him, has written some off season pieces on him and I mean, being tied to Deshaun Watson in a Texans offense that's always underrated for what it does in the passing game. Um, there's so much focus on DeAndre Hopkins and what he does. Um, but some of those other peripheral assets have been quite valuable. And if if a solid number two were to emerge that could stay on the field, I'm, I'd be very interested. I mean, I, I I love the idea of going after Deshaun Watson's weapons. I think he's still ascending. I, I think Deshaun Watson's on the list of guys that you know has top three quarterback upside this year and that's not a very you know I I really don't think it's a very long list I think he he does enough with his legs and still can throw 4,500 yards so um Kiki's not a guy that was really on my radar last year too much um I kind of just look past him really haven't been going out um after him much in dynasty I think there's been enough hype to keep him you know as a top 100 player even right now uh in the road of his rankings, probably a little ahead of where he's at in ADP, but just he's still more than I really want to go by, but I'm certainly watching. I'm cer- certainly watching. And if, and if Will Fuller were to be injured or something at that point, I'd be willing to go out, I think, an overpay um, for Kiki. I think some of the other guys in year yeah. two that that we've got to at least think about, and I'll see maybe who you like out of this group, you know we've got Anthony Miller. He was another one of these old, you know 24-year-olds at the end of the year. James Washington. Deshaun Hamilton, who we who we spoke a little bit about, DJ Chark, Michael Gallup, Drake Juan Smith, any of these guys interesting for you?
2: Yeah, I mean, there, there are a few I like. I mean, DJ Chark was absolutely free as he's always, always has been. And, you know, some wide receiver is going to have to catch the ball from Nick Foles. Maybe it's still a mess this year, but I like throwing a dart his way. Uh, I, I was a fan of him and his price tag, uh, even as a rookie, uh, given his draft capital. Uh, but really, James Washington is super intriguing. I'd rather just own own all three of the the non-Juju uh, Smith Schuster Pittsburgh wide receivers if I could. If I could just put a waiver claim in for all three of them, <laughs> I would. Uh, just because, I mean, Deontay Johnson coming in, getting some uh, uh, definitely surprising to to most people anyway. Draft capital there, sneaking into you know round round three, I believe there uh, this year. I mean, he's just a couple of seasons removed from you know, having a 2,000-plus all-purpose yard season uh, for Toledo. So that's impressive, uh, not super athletic. Uh, and then he's competing with a more veteran guy, Dante Moncrief, who's really never put it all together, had had a few opportunities to uh, with Andrew Luck, just never found his way in. And there's, you know, there's the camp hype already early on just because, and yet I really I think it just makes sense because he's the veteran. Like, of course, the guy who's in his, like, fifth season should have – it together in june more so than a second year guy in james washington who only caught 16 balls last year and a rookie i mean he, obviously he should have more going for him right now but i think once we get to august the guy that, that fills a role that they don't necessarily have figured out right now is james washington i mean he's the burner at least he was in, in college who over over 200 receptions averaged more than 20 yards per reception in college obviously some of that is schematic but that's that skill set as well so I think that's a a role that that he fills more so than a Deontay Johnson more so than a Dante Moncrief ever has so if he fills in that that vertical role I think that he could be a guy who has a few splashy games and his price skyrockets uh, from where it is currently so that's that's a, a guy I am fishing around for. I think he's even cheaper in trades uh, still because of the, the Moncrief or because of Deontay Johnson uh, than his startup price would be. So that's somebody I'm in, intrigued uh, to look into the the price for, for sure. Uh, and, you know, and of course, Marquez, Mar- Marquez Valdez-Scantling, MVS for short, is intriguing, but he's, he falls in that. I think if if you might, might tell me if I'm wrong, but I think he fell into that uh, – that twenty-four year old rookie area with Calvin Ridley too, right?
1: Uh he may have been on the list, yeah. yeah so. <laughs> he, he may be in that in that cohort, uh, that undesirable core, cohort. But hey, I want to throw a couple of names your way because this whole this whole Steelers thing, it's kinda grinded my gears a little bit. Um so like six weeks ago, we hear reports that James Washington has showed up to camp and he's trimmed down. And he's like 207 pounds or something or 210 pounds. He's he's dropped 10 or 15 pounds. And everyone's yeah. like, oh, man, you got to get James Washington. Like they have to fill all these Antonio Brown targets. And Juju is going to get 160 and Jay Wash is getting 100. Like just watch it. <laughs> and then so we like fast forward a month. And now um, James Washington is garbage because of one <laughs> beat report saying that Dante Moncrief has has looked really good uh in, in the OTAs now, I want to, I you know, I, I'm not going to claim to have this figured out, but I, I want to remind the people of what the Steelers have done when they when they bring in these free agent wide receivers. I, I think he fits a bit of a mold for them. So their their last two stabs that they threw at kind of these upside guys that have never achieved it before get into Pittsburgh, Darius Hayward Bay. Justin Hunter, you know, are they going in the (laughs) hall of fame with the, with the steel city Uh, logo on their helmet? No, So I mean, let's just be careful here. I mean, the steel, what are the Steelers renowned for? The Steelers are renowned for drafting wide receivers year after year after year, teaching them their system. And then they break out. I mean, it's what's happened forever for 10, 15 years. I, I mean, you know, go all the way back to Mike, to Mike Wallace. And it's not even you know, the the early round guys, um, you know, many times they've hit in round three or later. Emmanuel Sanders, Antonio Brown. I mean, going back even with some of the higher draft picks, Antonio Holmes. I mean, these guys know how to draft and develop wide receivers. And most of the time they don't hit as rookies. Very few times. They're patient with their rookie wide receivers. Now, objectively, James Washington was awful last year. I mean, there's no sugarcoating it. He was one of PFF's worst graded wide receivers last year. So, I mean, there's nowhere to go but up, but I think just handing this crown of 100 targets to Dante Moncrief or to Deontay Johnson as a rookie, I think is extremely misguided. And if we look at what the Steelers have done in their history, everything would point to James Washington getting the chance to fail there before anyone else would see those targets. I mean, I'll buy a Vance McDonald narrative before I'll buy. Dante Moncrief is just waltzing into 100 targets this year. So, it's going to be interesting to see how things go in camp. I- ignore these stupid beat reports right now. We need to see where are the snap counts um in combined practices with other teams. Who's with the first team snap counts? Um who's with the first team snap counts in preseason? Who's playing more with the second team? You know, those are the things that we need to be paying attention to. Nothing we've seen now is actionable other than yeah you know it's actionable if somebody decides that it is it's, none of it has meant
2: anything yet
1: <laughs> other than James Washington's now cheaper than he was six weeks ago because yeah, Moncrief's the goodness. flavor of the week
2: thank goodness so thank goodness for hype thank thank goodness for the summer you know just it gives us some some great opportunities to go steal guys that, that shouldn't be as cheap as they are but uh, you know it, it's hey, it's hey, always- Dante Moncrief can you can you remind me
1: I'm sorry I'm not done on this stupid Moncrief thing <laughs> <laughs> you know, wasn't he wasn't he gonna go in and save the jacksonville jaguars last year wasn't he different than like everyone that was on their team <laughs> uh yeah I, how that? Uh, how long did he stay there
2: oh uh i think you uh, know? One, one season i think that's what it was so yeah i mean he's played it's
1: it, we can't even give him the, the quarterback excuse he's played with good quarterbacks before he's had andrew luck it's not mm-hmm. like you know roethlisberger is the you know the, the first decent player you know he's had under yeah. center
2: I'm just you know be just be careful. Yeah, exactly. And right, I'm and done. I actually said, <laughs> you know, we should just get we should have like a bonus segment, uh, an hour extra, just Moncrief rant. But uh, we'll, we'll maybe maybe uh, see that if that's interesting uh, to some of the guys in the premium Slack and see if we can. Just get that going. I think that would that would be a prime listener yeah. like listenership it's for sure. Just
1: me and you and like three guys, like three guys, yeah, just mm-hmm. slandering Moncrief. Yeah,
2: I think that'd be great. But <laughs> anyway, if we wanted to talk about these second year breakouts for running backs and wide receivers because it's tough. It's it's always fun. It's just always tough. Just finding. The right players to target for breakouts. And so I hope that, you know, tonight was helpful, Uh, maybe uh, for your confirmation bias, maybe to just objectively take a look at some players that you might want to go out and buy or trust. Uh, But always remember, you can always reach us on Twitter. Uh, I'm at FF underscore Travis M. Curtis is at C. Patrick NFL. You can always jump into our premium Slack. It's just a great community of people that love talking football, dynasty trades and a whole bunch of nonsense this time of year. But uh, thanks again for joining us for another dynasty command center podcast. And until next time, keep living that dynasty life.